You're listening to All The Best. I'm Helena Baroni-Peters. When I was in high school, I hated history. To me, it was just a bunch of dates and names that never seemed to stick. I found Greek mythology in particular hard to digest because I found it so far removed from my own reality. My younger brother, on the other hand, was obsessed with Greek mythology. He used to spend all of his free time reading the Percy Jackson series, and this quickly progressed into the Iliad and the Odyssey books. He used to carry these books around the primary school playground to impress people. He was captivated by the magic and adventure, and was able to enjoy these stories in ways that I never could from the school textbooks. This week, Jake and Liam are taking us back to ancient Greece with a story that you probably wouldn't have learnt about in school. And heads up, this story contains stylized violence, swearing, strong sexual references and drug use. Welcome, my name is Jake and I'm here to tell you all a story from a little place called Little Ancient Greece. It's a very little known story, but it's a surprisingly very progressive story. Uh, And I'm joined here today by my good friend Liam to help me tell that story. Hello. (laughs) He's a cockney. I'm a little orphan girl. (laughs) And I live in a well. (laughs) He's here to help me um, tell the story, interject with some humour... Um, you know how it goes. I'm here to stop uh, Jake from speeding through the details. Because I will do that. Um, there's a lot of ground to cover, and we only have a limited amount of time. We're sitting here having a cheeky little drink. Just one. Just one cheeky mm, little drink between one, us. One. Sherry. Because <laughs> um, I'm doing surgery later. <laughs> and he... Uh, in, yeah, so he has to drive while doing surgery. Yeah, I'm, I just do it in the back of my motorhome. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, so we're having just one cheeky little drink uh, in honor of our Lord and Savior, Lord Dionysus. So feel free to have a drink with us um, and sit back and relax while we tell you a story about how not even a god could overcome the power of bigotry. So, Ivoe. There's a little bit of backtracking we need to do. You know how Greek mythology is. Um, Dionysus is the god of theatre, fertility, liberation, madness, and most importantly and famously, wine. Now, today, Dionysus occupies the final and 12th seat of Olympus next to gods like Poseidon and Ares. And Aphrodite. And most importantly, his father, Zeus. Now, it's here our story starts. Zeus likes to fuck. Like a lot. Okay. Girls, boys, it doesn't matter. He's got like a thousand kids. But none were so special as the one that he had 
with the mortal Princess of Thebes, Semele. So after seeing how beautiful she was while she was sacrificing a bull in his honor, which is a, a very sensual act. Potent aphrodisiac. <laughs> that, that is my number one mating mating call. Is that how you got together with Brody? My partner, yeah. Mm. I sacrificed a bull in front of him. That's so sweet. <laughs> so Zeus uh, was so turned on that he descends from Mount Olympus and just starts smashing. <laughs> uh, he makes it no secret exactly who he is to Semele. And Semele, as we all would, starts bragging that her new lay is the literal king of heaven. Yeah, you'd have to. You gotta <laughs> spread that around. Yeah. So her sister Agave, as we all would, gets really jealous and convinces Semele that if Zeus really loved her, he'd show you his true form, as he really is. That's a lot to ask. <laughs> it is, especially on the first couple a of days. A first date, I would not be comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Take that bodysuit off. No. <laughs> and she says this knowing that Semele would die if she saw Zeus in his true form. So the next time Semele sees Zeus, she asks him for a favor. Zeus says, yes, anything you want, I promise. Now let me in those mortal pants, baby. And Semele goes, show me your true form. But Zeus freaks out. No, 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 you don't want that. But Semele protests. And so reluctantly, Zeus obliges and keeps to his word. Because just like that, Semele's dead. Oh, okay. But thankfully, in her ashes was an unharmed fetus. Knowing instantly that it was his child, Zeus took a knife and carved a womb into his own thigh where he sewed his unborn child up into. And much like the modern day seahorse, Zeus carries his son until he is fully grown and ready to be birthed. Then Zeus instantly becomes an absentee father and sends his son off to the mountains to be raised by a random satyr. Typical. Classic. My dad, my dad did that. <laughs> so, during his upbringing, Dionysus, most notably, fell in love with a man named Ampelos, who, long story short, he got gorged by a bull. <laughs> So Dionysus transformed Ampelos into the very first grapevine, and from that, Dionysus invented wine. Is that like what you'd want, though? Like if as you a dead person. Away, <laughs> yeah, you're like. Like I'm gonna turn you into a grape. It was in his will. He was like, please, <laughs> I don't know if it's doable. Someone, turn me into a. A grape has never existed before this moment, but I have an idea. <laughs> yeah, I've this... got this idea. It's kind of quirky. It's like a circle fruit. <laughs> so with this new concoction, even more people began falling in love with Dionysus. Soon enough, Dionysus had his very own circle of groupies, which continued to grow until it became a cult known as the Bacchae. This earned the attention of his father, who was still living on Olympus, and he said to Dionysus, in his big Zeus voice, I really want you to come and live up here on Olympus with me instead of my super boring sister, Hestia, who is just the god of fireplaces or whatever. But I need you to keep spreading your cult around so that it's better than Hestia's and I can kick her out and bring you up. And Dionysus is like, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That, 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 that sounds great.
So this is where our story really starts to start. The word of Dionysus has grown and grown and finally reached Thebes. Which is his mother's home city. The one she was princess of. That is correct. Good listening. Nice listening ears. Thank you. But the king of Thebes, Pentheus, who is also Dionysus' cousin, is super against Dionysus' cult. Dionysus' teachings are all about liberation, sexual exploration, and self-expression. It's about drinking and dancing and singing and breastfeeding baby animals and cannibalizing unbelievers and just getting back in touch with nature, bestie. So So really, Pentheus is kind of boring and super conservative. Right now, he's mostly just being sexist because Dionysus' cult is a cult of women being free and Pentheus hates to see it. He's also racist and homophobic, but we'll get to that in a second. So Dionysus journeys to Thebes to talk reason with Pentheus. Now, Pentheus is the son of Agave, who you might remember as... His aunt, who convinced Dionysus' mother to see Zeus in his true form. She's the one who's been spreading it around that Dionysus isn't a god, he's just a demon. And she's been telling Pentheus all of this since birth. But that's not the sole reason that Pentheus hates Dionysus. It's his femininity and promiscuity and Asian appearance. Asian appearance, I thought he was Greek. Uh, It's sort of like, it is what it is kind of thing. Um, Like he's a God, he can take whatever form he wants. Um, Canonically, Dionysus is Asian. Um, And that's a really important detail because all the other gods of Mount Olympus, they all have um, the classically Greek appearance. So this is also one of the reasons why Pentheus is like, well, you can't be a God if you're Asian. So at this point, Dionysus sees a really good opportunity for revenge against Agave for killing his mother, as well as an opportunity to make Pentheus believe that Dionysus is a god. Dionysus puts all the women of Thebes under his spell and drives them mad, causing them to abandon the city. Dun 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 dun! This new group of frenzied women are called the Maenads, and they take residency with the Bacchae and Dionysus up on a nearby mountain and start doing culty liberated things. 
Mostly, the women get the opportunity to pursue their own interests away from the impression of men for the first time ever, learning to love one another and themselves, taking same-sex lovers, writing and performing music for one another, drinking, dancing, putting on plays, and committing acts of terrorism against some herdsmen living nearby. Just girly things. You know how it is. Now this is where our story really starts. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Been going for a long time. I left my son in the car. So oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll speed through. So basically, there's this play that was written by Euripides back in 405 BC, and it's called The Back Eye. Um, and so everything that I've spoken about up until now, that was all just common knowledge. The story that I'm about to tell, it starts now. So everything before this, it's kind of like, um, like... Everything before this was Avengers Infinity War and the back eye that play is Avengers Endgame. Okay, Every- so like a two back eye, two furious sort of thing. Sort of thing. Okay. Everyone everyone knows how the other installments yeah. went. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So back down the mountain in the city of Thebes, Pentheus is freaking out. There's no women, no one to do laundry, no one to look after the children, no one to interrupt and talk over. Pentheus's granddad, Cadmus, and his most trusted seer, Tiresias, are on the ground trying to talk some sense into Pentheus. They're pretty much like, Pentheus, this guy just basically brainwashed all the women of Thebes just like that. How can you not believe that he's a god? Even if he's not a god, he's like crazy powerful and you'll just be saving your own skin. And if he is a god, then sick. We have a god in the family. Wouldn't you want to be on his good side? Suddenly, Dionysus is standing before Pentheus as a prisoner, and Pentheus begins to interrogate the god. Now, Dionysus has let himself be captured because he wants to give Pentheus one last chance at not being a bigot. Pentheus starts off asking the usual, why are you doing this? Where did you come from? Blah, 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 sort of stuff. But then he starts to mock Dionysus's long womanly hair, his limp wrists, and his Asian appearance. But it's kind of in that way where you're like mean to someone because you like them. You know what I mean? Because Pentheus, he secretly has a bit of a polyphemus going on. Excuse me? <laughs> you know, polyphemus, he's the Cyclops from the Odyssey. He's a, he's a one-eyed monster. He has a polyphemus going on. Oh, like a big f***ing hole. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Dionysus starts to flirt back with Pentheus, but Pentheus freaks out and throws Dionysus in jail. Oh, he almost gave into his sexuality. Almost, but he didn't. And Dionysus isn't happy. So he says... Bad move, bucko. I'm a god. I can just break out of here. And Pentheus is like, uh, yeah, as if these bars are iron. Like, they're super strong. I have the strongest bars in all of Greece. And that's a fact. <laughs> Tremendous bars. <laughs> I've never done a Trump impression until right now. <laughs> I wrote that joke in, expecting myself to be able to, <laughs> to be do, able it. do it. To be able to do it. Um, so then Pentheus, he goes off and he goes looking for more women to arrest.
Dionysus escapes, and before we know it, Dionysus and Pentheus are talking to one another again. Pentheus is like, what? How did you escape? And Dionysus is like, uh, did you not notice the earthquake? The one that happened right after you locked me up? Like, do you believe I'm a god now? And Pentheus is like, shut up, queer. <laughs> and it's at this point, Dionysus is like, this is so stupid. You are never going to believe me. Why don't I just take you up the mountain and you can see your mother there and all the other women in the town for yourself. Pentheus says, sounds great. I'd love to go see my mum doing sexy things up on the mountain. Just like a disgusting man would say. <laughs> the next thing we know, it's makeover time. Knowing that the Bacchae and the Maenads would absolutely lose it if they saw a man entering their sacred space, Pentheus agrees to letting Dionysus put him in full drag. Yes, complete head-to-toe cis-passing, it's a biological woman more drag In ancient Greece. Can you believe, Mama? <laughs> Now in the forest of the mountain and out of the city, Pentheus turns to Dionysus to see that Dionysus' head has transformed into that of a bull, much like the one that his mother sacrificed to Zeus all those years ago and the one that his lover, Ampelos, was gorged on. Foreshadowing. Pentheus screams in terror at Dionysus' bull head, but Dionysus assures Pentheus that the only reason he sees him like this is because he's won his favor, oh. and that he now sees him as he truly is. Oh. He tells Pentheus to go on ahead and hide behind a tall tree so that he can watch the women from safety. Giddily, Pentheus skips off. <laughs> Arriving at a grove where he can hear the partying of the back eye, Pentheus is not content to just hide behind a tree and watch. No, he must have the best view, and so he begins to ascend the tree that he was told to hide behind. From up here, he can see his mother pegging other women and just having a really good time. Okay, get up, Mom. <laughs> yeah. Dionysus soon appears before the women, and they all throw themselves at his feet. Hark ye, Bacchae. I have brought you a sacrifice. Look up to that tree and see the man who made a mockery of you and my sacred rites. Take your vengeance now and liberate yourselves. The women whip around and in full animalistic fury begin running on all fours to the tree. Pentheus knows that he's fucked at this point and he starts to climb down but the women are too fast. Soon they're trying to uproot the tree with their bare hands and then they're climbing up it. They grab his ankle and fling him through the air. Pentheus lands in the crowd of frenzied women and each of his limbs are taken hold of. Pentheus's own mother appears to tear the head off her son before his body is torn to pieces. In her frenzy, Pentheus's mother takes the head and begins to descend the mountain. Now in the city of Thebes and under the spell of Dionysus, Agave believes that what she has killed was a mountain lion and the head she has in her hands is a mountain lion's head, not the head of her son. She starts showing it off to everybody. 
but her father, Cadmus, comes in to tell her that she has in fact killed her own son. So waking up to what she's done, she has a full-on mental breakdown. That's fair. Yeah, it's pretty fair. Yeah. Reasonable. Mm. Reasonable reaction. I wouldn't expect anything less. Except, you know, instead of fearing Dionysus uh, in all his might and power and glory at this point, or, you know, at least being humbled into apologizing for killing Dionysus's mother, Agave and Cadmus, they instead turn to Dionysus and tell him that he's a bad and wicked god. That this isn't how a god is supposed to be. Even though it was Agave who killed his mother in the first place, and it was Pentheus who mocked Dionysus for his femininity and sexuality and race, and it was Cadmus who only told Pentheus to give in to Dionysus just in case he was a real god. Can you imagine that? Like, telling a god how they ought to act? And that's the thing. The story of Dionysus and the Bacchae is a tragedy. Not because Pentheus couldn't give in to his sexuality, but because even a god couldn't escape the power of bigotry and hate and fear of change. Sure, Dionysus was able to ascend to Olympus and replace Hestia as the 12th seed of the gods, but the fact remains that even after Dionysus made it painfully clear that he was a real god, he still wasn't accepted. And that's the reality of living in the world today as a woman, as a queer person, as a person of colour. You have to be doing twice, thrice, four times the amount of work to be considered as good as your straight white male counterparts. And it doesn't matter how perfect you are. You could literally be a god and invent wine and theatre for everyone to enjoy and still not be good enough. I mean, this was written in 405 BC, but doesn't it sound familiar to life today? Bigots freaking out about foreigners and their cultures and religions invading their country, too afraid to open their mind to new ways of thinking. Sounds a, a, a bit like Australia to me. Constantly, these people who come into our country are criticised for not being Australian enough, for having different values and, you know, for looking different. They're constantly being told how they need to act and how they should behave if they want to fit into this white Australian society. Kind of, sort of, exactly what happened to Dionysus and his cult. I mean, it's not just first wave immigrants copying this, it's our own First Nations people too, being forced into a Anglo-Christian society and losing connections to their people and homeland, heritages and roots. Even today, bigots still have the gall and nerve and audacity and gumption to tell a god how they should act and behave by telling other people that their religion isn't the right one. There is an established history of oppressors colonizing lands and forcing people to convert and forsake their religions, thereby denying the existence of those gods. Like, they can't just tell their fellow man how they should act. They have to criticize the gods too. The Bacchae really is a timeless tragedy. I guess the only thing to do now is to start up a big, sexy, naked forest cult and go out and um, tear our oppressors limb from limb. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll cheers to that. Yes, absolutely. Cheers. That story was produced by Jake Neville. Ivana Ho was the supervising producer. You've been listening to All the Best. 
I'm Helena Baroni-Peters. At All The Best, you can learn how to make audio documentaries, essays, and fiction. If you have a story to tell, get in touch. Visit allthebestradio.com and send us your pitch. We'll pair you with one of our supervising producers to help make your story. All the Best would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we make these stories and pay our respects to Elders past, present and future. All the Best is made at FBI Radio on Gadigal land in association with SIN and 3RRR on Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Boonarung lands and 8CCC on Arunda and Warramungu lands. Our editorial manager is Mel Chun, and our production manager is Danny Stewart. Emma Pham is our social media producer, and our community and events coordinator is Lydia Yosefova. Shining Bird composed our theme music, and Annie Hamilton designed the artwork. We're heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network, and we're made possible by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. You can find out more at cbf.org.au. You can find more episodes by searching for All the Best wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Helena Baroni-Peters. Thanks for listening.